Hey guys, it's Sim and this is Wrestling Unlimited as it's Friday and this is the Wrestling Wrap-Up. A handful of news brought to you in one easy-to-watch video. As far as today's show does go, we do have, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, roughly 12, 13 stories. A couple of these are going to be really short stories, little quick hits, maybe one or two of them you can lump together won't well, know yeah they're just a couple quick hits but mainly if we look at it we've got about 12 13 total stories for today's show we're going to talk about war games and possibly the men's war games match going to a five on five instead of staying four on four we're going to talk about vince mcmahon selling off a bunch of stock wwe making an offer to one international star some injuries in wwe and so much more because again this is the wrestling wrap-up every Monday and Friday morning, roughly right around usually 11 to 12 Pacific, but taking my daughter at 11 this morning to go see the Marvels movie, so we're early, we're on, and we're talking. We also got Luke with us over here. Luke, what's going on? What's going on, everybody? Hope you all are having a fantastic Friday. I don't really have classes today, so basically just doing this and I have the rest of the day do whatever, so. Sounds pretty good. Chill day. So, yeah, we got a bunch to talk about, but with that, first off, I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited, YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, and podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live on Twitch, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can subscribe with a tiered subscription, or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you have Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and you always get one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month. And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did right here for Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember, head over to YouTube, hit that join button, and become a channel member. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game like Alan Wake 2, whether you're getting a new game like Sonic Superstars, you're getting an old game like Grand Theft Auto 5, or you're claiming the free game, which right now is Golden Light. Use this code right here, PWUnlimited at checkout, and you will be supporting us at no extra cost. Heck, go claim some bucks and buy bucks and stuff for Fortnite, Rocket League, and Fall Guys. You'll be supporting us with this code. Heck, go get Lightning McQueen in Rocket League. And use code P-W-U-N-L-I-M-I-T-E-D at checkout. And you'll be supporting us, again, like I said, at no extra cost to you. So as far as the news does go, first thing we are going to talk about is War Games, which was officially announced this past weekend. So... Last weekend, during the Crown Jewel event, WWE officially announced War Games. They didn't say how many War Games matches we were going to get. They didn't say how many people would be in any of the War Games matches. And most people just assumed five on five. Now, that is possibly still the case. But then Monday, at the end of Raw, they announced it as a four on four match. Which it is Damian Priest. Finn Balor, J.D. McDonough, and Dominic Mysterio against Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, and Cody Rhodes. 
Yet, according to Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, he does write that another name could be added into this, which fans have kind of been speculating, but Meltzer does write the following. Men's War Games match right now is listed as having Seth Rollins and Sami Zayn and Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso versus Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio and Finn Balor and J.D. McDonough. There were reports that this will change and McIntyre will be part of the Judgment Day team. It was just told that this is under consideration and could happen. That would lead to someone having to be added to the other side. While there's a roster full of people who would fit that bill, there's nobody obvious. Kevin Owens makes the most sense on a storyline basis. Ricochet would fit from a spectacular basis, but he's questionable for the date due to the possibility of having a concussion. Bronson Reed would be an unpredictable pick. Who would benefit from a main event, though? Now, some fans would say Randy Orton here. Oh, have Randy Orton's big return be in the Survivor Series match. Uh, I don't know about that one. I don't know if I want Randy's first match back to be Survivor Series. You kind of want to slowly integrate him back in. And and that's just me not knowing if he's had practice matches. If Randy's gone out there and had like a 30-minute practice match with somebody at the Performance Center and he was fine, then screw what I just said. But it is being under consideration that Drew could be added on the Judgment Day side of things, but it's not 100% a lock. So what do you think of this? I think you predicted this on Monday as well, saying what if Drew gets added to the Judgment Day side? So I feel like having Drew on the Judgment Day side would make sense because maybe it'd be a way for like him trying to get back to the world title picture right. against Seth. But the big question is like, who would you have join like the baby faces though? Like that's the big question. And like, if it was Randy, like, like Randy would be cool, you know, cause a lot of people say like maybe Cody can recruit Randy cause they have history together. Right. But like you said, like, I don't know if, if it would be a great idea to have his first match be like, like a match like war games. You know, personally, I feel like his first match back should maybe be like either probably like one on one or maybe like a tag team, kind of like slowly like integrating right. back to like full time wrestling. But I say I don't know. We'll we'll see though. We'll see. I say give him Nakamura. Nakamura's been waiting for somebody to come, and so maybe that person he's waiting for is Randy Orton. I don't know. That's just yeah, me speculating and spitballing. That would be fun. I feel like that make that make the most sense, honestly. Yeah. Because Nakamura can get all these matches. You know, he's been working with all these guys on TV, Akira Tozawa, Ricochet, Bronson Reed, and all this. And he could finally be like, okay, so none of these people here are competition. Maybe I need somebody else. And then that's when Randy finally appears. I don't know. It's just spitballing ideas there. But And also, like, this turning into a five-on-five is not a lock. The way Meltzer wrote this, and maybe it's just the way he wrote it and I'm interpreting it wrong, but the way he wrote it comes off as it might become five-on-five five with Drew maybe being added to the men's side of things. So, just saying, we'll see how it goes. And then, another quick thing, Meltzer did state that the plan is for a women's War Games match to happen as well, but wasn't sure, like we were on Monday, weren't sure exactly 
who could be in that match. I'm going to pull up the WWE roster right now. We were going to do this on the Raw review and forgot, but I want to look over the Raw roster real fast just to see who could potentially, or not the Raw roster, but the SmackDown women's roster, be in this women's war games match. Pull this up here. Go to SmackDown. And it doesn't have to be just the SmackDown roster because they could maybe add a women's team because... Meltzer said that there's a possibility maybe you had Chelsea and Piper on the heel side of things for this. But again, it's all just speculatory and not 100%. But if we look at the SmackDown roster here, you would think the one side would be EO, Kyrie, Bailey. And some say that that probably shouldn't happen because EO and Kyrie, or Bailey and Kyrie, aren't supposed to like each other. But the, the other side, the babyface side, you've got Charlotte, you've got Bianca, you've got Asuka, you've got. Um, Shotzi, maybe you need a fifth, but you at least need one or two more for the, the heel side. Dakota's ruled out because she's got the knee injury. So who do you add on that heel side? Isla Dawn or, and uh, Ava, uh, Alba Fire? Well, I know they're teasing them returning to TV soon. Right. But... Because I'm looking here at the roster, it's like Mia, she's a baby face. Tamina, they don't do nothing with her. Zelina Vega, mm, she hasn't been involved in any of this. So it's like, and, and even Isla and Alba, they haven't been involved in any of this unless Bailey recruits them or something. So it's like the only way I see like, them being involved is like, let's say like EO has a match with someone like, uh, let's say like a Charlotte Flair. Like, mm -hmm. let's say they do like a qualifiers match. For war games, and then those two like screw over Charlotte and they join like Bailey's team. Maybe I feel like that's the route maybe like I would go. Maybe they say, like, all right, war games it's gonna be like these four women against like these four women, then like, but Bailey and EOS they still need to recruit like two more people. Yeah, but Meltzer did write something I saw that said, like, maybe you add Chelsea and Piper as the other team on the heel side as well. So I don't know, maybe something happens with that, because I'm trying to think. Have they done really much on SmackDown? I know they've been working, like, every Chelsea, show. Chelsea Chelsea had a match, I think, against Charlotte on SmackDown. That's what I'm trying recently. to look up. I'm, I'm looking that up right now. But. That's what I was thinking. Chelsea Green. I don't think Piper really hasn't done anything. Well, Piper just Smackdown goes where Chelsea lately. goes and vice versa. They yeah. just go wherever they go. Um... Shotzi defeated, okay, so Shotzi defeated Chelsea on the 27th, so two weeks ago, October 27th, two weeks ago, and what was that last week's show? Because they're both listed as the 27th, oh, okay, so last week, Shotzi beat Chelsea, the week before that, Charlotte and Shotzi defeated Chelsea and Piper, but never got a tag title shot. So maybe they're a tag team that want to get a tag title shot. Things go awry, and that's how you get the war games. I don't know. But Charlotte and Shotzi have been doing things with Chelsea and Piper, so it will kind of make a little sense. Also, I feel like the women's tag title should be featured more on SmackDown. Yeah, I agree. Because SmackDown's got the woman's title, and they're kind of 
I don't know. I feel like there's more women on SmackDown that would benefit. But that's the latest that we do have pertaining to the War Games matchup. Also, WWE did make it official for Survivor Series. It is the Miz challenging um, uh, Gunther. They're not changing any of that as of right now. They could. Maybe, maybe if Ivar beats Miz on Monday, maybe they turn it into a triple threat, but I doubt that. But it is official. I've uh, Gunther and Miz right now. Because we know that match got all kinds of messed up when, when we'll talk about it in a little bit when Ricochet got hurt. Ricochet got hurt, possible concussion. And yeah. As far as the next news story does go, yesterday, TKO Groups Holding just randomly put out some news that uh, Vince McMahon was selling off 33% of his share in the company if our stock does go. Uh, 8.4 million shares, roughly evaluated at $713 million. This write-up just come from Ethan Renner of F4W Online as it reads the following. Vince McMahon intends to sell 8.4 million shares of TKO Group Holdings stock, roughly 30% of his stake in the company. According to a press release and documents that TKO filed with the SEC, McMahon intends to sell 8.4 million shares of the company's Class A common stock, which, as close to... The stock market of Thursday's close is worth roughly $713 million. In after-hours trading on Thursday, the TKO stock price was down roughly 5.3% with the news of McMahon's sale. Now, I do have the TKO stock right here. It is down right now. So it was down, I want to say $3. No, it was down 3 Four, five. It was down like six, seven dollars at the open this morning. Now it is only down a couple of dollars. It's down today though, six percent. It's down six percent after all of this from yesterday. Uh, the report continues on by stating the SEC filings noted that TKO CEO Ari Emanuel and TKO COO Mark Shapiro intend to buy one million of the stock McMahon is putting up for sale with. Other company directors set to purchase $850,000 worth of the stock. The TKO Group Holding Company will repurchase approximately $100 million worth of the stock. $100 million. So there's still going to be... Jeez. Seven, six, little under $600 million of stock just going back in. I'm not a big stock person, so I don't know exactly what all of this means. As far as like, oh, they're selling this much stock and they're buying this much stock and this stock is going back to you. I don't know what a lot of that means, but it is interesting with all the rumors and stuff of they're trying to push Vince out slowly. But Vince, even with all of this, it states Vince will remain executive chairman of DK Group's holding. This does not mean that he is leaving the company or anything. But yeah, Vince is selling off 30% of his stake, of his stake, what he has which is I think only overall was like 20% of the company. So if he's selling 30 of his 20, now he's only going to have, what's 30% of 20%? Um, what, 10% or so, if less, stake in this company. So yeah, that's an interesting one that Vince is selling all this stock. Does Vince know something we don't know? Are they telling him, hey, you're out, and he's just setting up for his eventual departure? 
I don't know. You have anything to add? I mean, like you said, I don't really know much about stocks. Right. Like my dad does. Like he talks about it, like all the time, and he's trying to like, get me into like stocks as well. But like, I mean, yeah. Other than that, like I don't, I don't really know much about stocks. Maybe I know the rumor was that like that like TKO was like, and basically the rumor was like if they don't, if they don't like what. Vince is doing that they can just like get him out of there. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because Vince ain't the boss no more. Because interestingly, speaking of that, I'm going to pull up this from where's the tweet? This is from John Pollock yesterday. This is interesting. Um, I'm going to read this here. This says, on January 5th, 2023, Vincent K. McMahon, our controlling stockholder, executed and delivered a written uh, consent taking certain actions by consent without a stockholder meeting in accordance to the Delaware law resulting in, among other things, the election of Mr. McMahon, Michelle D. Wilson, and George Barrios to the board of directors and certain amendments to the company's bylaws. So Vince can't do that anymore where... He had enough control of the WWE where he can do things without having to go to the board. He can change things on the board without having to get a board vote or any kind of board meeting. He can't do that anymore with TKO and um, Area Manual and Endeavor owning the controlling 51% of the company. So that's the thing here. He doesn't have the say he used to. And I remember like when he did own WWE, he had like, I know I'm like, the executive board, he had like 80% of the votes. So like, right. even if like everyone wanted to vote him out, they couldn't because he had final say of who, yep. who can leave. Exactly. Now he doesn't have that anymore. So, yeah. So that's an interesting one I wanted to just quickly hit on in case anybody missed that news from yesterday. Uh, BCW Campbell, I'm going to, I have no clue what you're talking about there in the. YouTube chat. Anyways, going forward, earlier this week, it was revealed that WWE is interested in New Japan star or stardom star. She works for New Japan. She does both. Julia. Originally, it was stated that they were just interested, but according to Dave Meltzer in the latest Wrestling Observer newsletter, the way he writes this, basically, he says they made her an offer as Meltzer writes the following. We do know that Julia is under contract to Bushi Road through March, which is when most of the contracts with Bushi Road end. She would theoretically have multiple options in Japan and the U.S., including Bushiroad, AEW, WWE, and somebody else in Japan. She made verbal commitments in Japan as well, as well past the date of her contract expiring. But we are told that WWE made her an offer and she had not decided what to do. We don't know the nature of the offer from WWE. She earns more in Japan than the women in NXT, although... They can afford an NXT deal if they wanted to do that would beat her Japan earnings. If this is a main roster offer, this is well above what she would be making in Japan. Now, this is kind of similar the sounding to the Dragon Lee stuff, where they brought Dragon Lee in. They offered him a bigger money deal than most people already have in NXT with a guarantee of within a year, you're going to be on the main roster. And within a year... Dragon Lee was on the main roster. He's on SmackDown now. So it's interesting to see that they have actually made an offer to Julia. It's not just interest. 
And Meltzer also did state that they've been interested in her since 2019, but then when COVID hit in 2020, that kind of derailed all plans of bringing in people, especially from other countries, and that's why she was never signed then. Or I don't even know if an offer was made then, but they've been interested in Julia for a while, and now they reportedly have made an offer. I think she would be great in WWE if she does one thing and does it right. She needs to just slightly tone down her aggression. She is one of those wrestlers in Japan that does everything to the umpteenth level of aggression, kind of like Kenta used to be. But Kenta's problem was he came to WWE and was like, okay, they don't hit this hard and they don't slam each other this hard here. I got to tone it down. And when he did, he toned it down a little too much into where he wasn't the same guy that they signed. And so Julia may have that issue as well, where all she's ever known is hit hard, slam hard in Japan. And so when it comes to common things down for the American stuff, yeah. But we do now know that an offer was made. Don't have any details on the offer, but regardless, nothing can happen till sometime in March, if not right after March. I think she would make a great fit in NXT. Oh, yeah. Completely honest. I feel like she's someone that can have great matches with like someone like like a Lyra Valkyrie, for example. Mm -hmm. So I I think, honestly, she's one of the best female wrestlers in the world overall. Now, here's another thing that's going to hinder her. She speaks Japanese. She speaks Italian, I believe, but she doesn't speak English. That's going to be a big hindrance on her that she doesn't speak any English. I think she can, like, understand English, but she can't have an English conversation, is what I've heard. Didn't Dragon Lee also have that same issue, but they got, they didn't they, like, get him into, like, English classes? I don't think. I mean, maybe his English wasn't that good. But when you see, like, his brothers and stuff, Roosh and Drillisco, they got great, like, Roosh, he speaks English great. So I would assume Dragon Lee's English wouldn't be too horrible, too bad. I don't know. Dragon Lee's, here's the thing, here's the thing. Dragon Lee's been working in America for years. Five, six years at least that I can remember. So he's been around English-speaking people for a long time. Julia's just been in Japan and only done a couple of things in America with New Japan. Maybe like one or two things with New Japan in America. So she's not been around a lot of, as much English-speaking people. Where I think even if Dragon Lee's English was bad, he can have a conversation good enough. I've been hearing that her English is like, she, she can understand it, but she can't have a, a full conversation. That would be her big hindrance. You'd need to put a mouthpiece with her. So, I don't know. I think she'd be a great pickup for any company. WWE would do wonders with her, I think. AEW could maybe do good things with her. We're talking about an AEW signing here in a little bit, but yeah. I think she would be phenomenal. She's got everything in the ring you need. She's got the look and the presence and the aura of a big star. So I think she's somebody to look out for in the next six months as far as like everyone's going to want to know what she's going to do become March, April time. But as we move forward, got some more news coming out of WWE with as far as TKO does go. As on the investors call earlier this week, uh, Ariel Manuel actually stated that they were looking to sell more sponsorships within the real estate of WWE as far as they're more adept now to wanting to put logos on the mat. Vince was always against that. 
But when Nick Khan came in, he was like, hey, we need to sell more sponsorships. We have something we're overlooking here. And that's when we started putting more sponsorships on the ring apron, putting more sponsorships on the barricades. But now, according to Ari Emanuel, he said they're looking at all the WWE real estate when it comes to that. And Dave Meltzer had a write-up on this in this week's Wrestling Observer Newsletter, stating, quote, Another change you can expect is the look of the ringside area. In the past, Vince McMahon has been prominent of a clean ring, meaning no advertisers on mats, the barricades, or around the ring. Obvious that has changed due to the influence of Nick Khan. The note that Vince is no longer thinking that way and the advertising and that advertising in and around the ring will be opening up more and advertising inventory with advertising inventory, and they are very happy McMahon has agreed to it. Now, I don't know if this is more of a, oh, Vince saw all the money they've been making from like Rocket Mortgage and Cinnamon Toast Crunch with the barricade ads. So well, oh, we can make this much money if we put, so I don't know exactly where Vince's mind was changed, whether that was Nick Khan changing his mind, whether that was Ari Emanuel changing his mind, maybe even... I don't know. This is just me spitballing. Maybe even Dana White was like, hey, we make this much money putting damn logos on the canvas. You can do the same thing. And Vince was like, oh, goddamn, pal. Yeah, okay. So, cool. I just don't. I think, and I want to get your opinion on this. We've seen such a clean canvas from WWE for so long that I think it's going to look weird if they start adding a bunch of logos to the mat. Yet at the same time, it doesn't look weird in UFC, but maybe that's just because we're used to it. What are your thoughts on them adding sponsor logos to the actual mat and the canvas of the ring? I mean, I think to me, it would not look weird. Like, I know AAA, they have like sponsorships all over their canvas. Oh, you watch a AAA show and you're watching commercials during matches because their Titantron is just flipping through every other ad every 30 seconds. So, yeah, you watch a AAA show and the AAA show is a big advertisement. I I know, like, I'm I'm sure, like, if some people are gonna, like, see ads on, like, their, like, canvas and stuff, I think a lot of people probably just assume, like, oh, they might be, like, trying to be, like, another AAA and stuff. I know, I know, like, they do, they have, sometimes they'll have, like, ads and stuff like like underneath their like big screen like yeah. where, when they're doing like the entrances and stuff right. like that's normal like you see ads there all the time yeah that's so, like, like the, this match is presented by kind of ad yeah or like whenever they have like a premium live event coming up soon they'll be like this thing is like in two weeks mm-hmm. or or get wwe 2k yeah they've like, always now. yeah they've always had graphics on screen and stuff to to show sponsorship but vince has always been of the mind of because this is what was talked about before. Vince was on the impression of if we have too much going on on the mat, it could distract the people watching from the actual match itself. And they're trying to figure out what's that sponsor? What's that sponsor? What's that logo? That's what Vince had said in the past from what I'd heard. I will say, like, don't put too much of it. Right. Because I can definitely see why it'd be distracting. Maybe put, like, just, like, one thing. Maybe, like... I don't know, like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, for example. Because, like, even like you brought the AAA example, New Japan as well. New Japan's got uh, logos all over their mat, and it doesn't bother me. It doesn't take away from the match. But it's like, I don't know if I want to go watch a WWE show, and there's this big Rocket Mortgage logo in the middle of the ring the entire show. Like, but at the same time, like I said, we watch UFC, and there's just a big ass monster logo in the middle of the ring, the octagon. What are those, like, things that they have, like, 
like on the side of the rings that they that they like put stuff under like where are those called they like cover the ring up skirt? the bottom of the rings the ring skirt oh, ring skirts yeah well, yeah, so put logos so, on the ring skirts well they have been doing that in certain matches because not only do they so the ring skirts don't change but WWE on the hard cam side and the ramp side those are now um screens and so we've seen like at I want to say it was uh, Fastlane they were like this match is presented by Rocket Mortgage and the barricade had Rocket Mortgage logos on it because WWE's barricades are now video screens, and those two screens on the ring had them as well. So Vince has at least agreed to do that. I would say maybe if you want to add show like full show logos that are not just for a specific match, like if you want that there the whole time, maybe put them on the turnbuckle pads, and then in the four corners under the turnbuckle. Maybe I just I don't know. I feel like for WWE because they, they've had a clean mat for so long. It'll look weird if we go into a show and there's like a big C4 Energy logo in the middle of the ring the whole show. Now I don't know if it would, I don't know if I'd go that far, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. It might look a little weird, but like honestly, put it on put put some advertisements on the ring skirt. Yeah, I mean I know they do that already, but like don't put like if they're gonna put like like ads like on like the actual like ring don't put too much of them exactly like, that can definitely be too distracting because it's, it's something we're not used to and again maybe they just got to get us used to it but i just i don't know like i said we see it in in ufc you brought up the triple a new japan's got logos all over their canvas and so and do it like aew has done with DraftKings, where they just stick them in the corner they have the four DraftKings logos in the corners under the turnbuckle or put them on the turnbuckle pads. That would be good enough for me, but maybe the sponsor wants more. So that is something that could potentially happen here soon within WWE. Now, I'm going to move a couple things here. I'm going to move this story up here. We're going to talk some TKO really fast since this kind of this all flows together better. TKO could be seeing more cuts coming. As Dave Meltzer did write this in the latest Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the company noted that there will be a great decrease in expenses in eliminating jobs in IT, marketing, finance, human resources, and legal when it comes to overlapping personnel within the UFC and the WWE. Um, who could do those jobs for both? Uh, as far as who could do those jobs for both companies, the ex. They expect to save fifty million to a hundred million, and the figure was said to be expected to be the high end of this range, with seventy-five percent of the saving being on the books in twenty twenty-four. So basically, what Meltzer is writing here, and this does come from the TKO investors call, but Dave just gave a little more context on it. Basically, what this is is, if there are people in WWE that can do their WWE stuff and UFC stuff at the same time, then why have somebody in both companies doing the same job? Now, the big question is, though, where are these people going to work out of? Like, is there just going to be like, we're going to keep you because you do a better job at IT and WWE. You and UFC are fired. You're going to stay at the WWE office, but you're now also working for the UFC. I don't know how all this is going to work, but it sounds like they feel like they don't need multiple teams anymore doing the same thing. So... Uh, 
Just laying down in the Twitch chat says, thank God I don't work for WWE's IT depth then. <laughs> yeah. But hey, maybe you'd be one of the ones that gets saved and go from there. Uh, just laying down says, where's the TKO office though? There is no TKO office. There's a UFC office in Vegas and there is a WWE new headquarters in um, Stanford, Connecticut. Also, did you see the big ass flag that they put up today or last night? Belt? No, no. They're celebrating vet. Oh, hold on. We're pulling this image up on the screen. Then WWE yeah, is celebrating veterans day with a huge 3000 square foot flag on their roof. Hold on. They posted this this morning. Oh, that looks pretty cool. It's like 70-something feet wide. No. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'll read the press release they put out. Um, this is... Pull this up really fast. It is... The flag, which measures a massive 3,040 square feet at 76 feet wide and 40 feet tall, will fly as a beacon of patriotism inspired by and honored and in honor of all, all of our veterans, especially those troops killed in action. The WWE is doing a big, huge ramp up for Veterans Day this year and the whole month to the point where if you are a veteran and WWE is going to be in your area, you can apply to get free tickets to a show. Too bad they're not coming to my area. I'm a veteran. Are they doing tr another tribute to the troops this year? Yes, it is going to be taped on. Give me one second. I have it right here. Tribute to the troops. 2023. It is. And it just froze. Give me a second. This tribute to the troops will be uh, held at a SmackDown taping on December 8th in Providence, Rhode Island. The show will then air later in the year. There we go. Tribute to the troops will be taped in just a couple of weeks. They're doing the same thing they did last remember, year. Before the one they did in like 2000s and, and like they had a bomb threat. Oh, you mean when they used to go to Iraq? Yeah. Yeah. The first like... I don't know how many it was. There's quite a few. They went to Iraq. You know, it really makes me mad. So when I was in the what? army, I went into the army in 2010. I did all of my training from August to December. I was in South Carolina and then West Virginia. For half of December and half of January, I flew back home because I finished my training right before Christmas. I was home for Christmas. I was home for New Year's. I got to Fort Hood, Texas. Roughly around, I want to say it was January 11th or 12th. Three days before that, they filmed Tribute to the Troops there in one of the big hangars. I'm like, God dang, I could have gone to Tribute to the Troops. And that was a good show, too. Like, it was a really good show. So, yeah, I missed out going to Tribute to the Troops 2011 by just a couple of days. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, they had to stop that because, like, of security reasons. Well, yeah, because the one I'm talking about, they did it in America, but they did it on... Because now they just do it as part of a SmackDown taping. But this one, they did it on the Army base in Texas in one of the big hangars. They had, like, 
the Humvees in the background and this and that and stuff. So, yeah, it was really cool. Because it was, I'm trying to get the results for that show. Um, I don't have results anymore. Troops. Tribute to the Fort Hood. I want to go back and look really fast. Which one was this? Which of the troops results? 2000. Oh, I missed it by a month. They taped, I say I was wrong. I got there at the, this, on November 11th. They taped it on December 11th. So I missed it by about a month. It was tribute to the troops 2010. Mark Henry won a 15 man battle royal eliminating Seamus. Dolph, uh, Dolph Ziggler and Jack Swagger lost a tag match to Big Show and Kofi Kingston. R-Truth with Eve Torres defeated Ted DiBiase Jr. who had Maurice in his corner. There was Kelly Kelly and Natalia and the Bellas defeated Alicia Fox, Molina, and Lecool. And the main event was John Cena, Rey Mysterio, and Randy Orton defeating Alberto Del Rio, Wade Barrett, the, and The Miz with Alex Riley. I remember it being a pretty good show. I think their most popular one was the one where they're in Iraq and they had that big like six man tag. I think it's like Cena, Batista, and and like Ray taking on like uh, Chris Masters and like two other people. Are you thinking? No, no, no. no. It's um, I'm thinking. It's like the, I think that's like 2008, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, but it wasn't Chris Masters. It was Big Show, Jericho, and Orton against Cena, Batista, and Ray. I believe. Yeah, I think that was the one that they talked about. They had a bomb threat. I believe so. That day. And they only did two matches on that show, I believe. And they, like, aired it with a smack. It was a weird one. It, it was a weird one, for sure. There was only, like, two matches and then a bunch of video packages. Yeah. So. Yeah, Tribute to the Troops is coming back, though. But, yeah, WWE is doing a lot for Veterans Day and Veterans Month, I guess you can call it, where they're, they got this big old flag on their roof, and they're giving away free tickets to veterans. But as we talk about that cool thing in WWE, we got to talk about some unfortunate news as both Ricochet and Fallon Henley are possibly currently out with a concussion. Two WWE superstars got injured this week. The first one we're going to talk about is Ricochet. Ricochet's injury came during the Intercontinental Championship number one contenders four-way on Monday Night Raw. That also featured The Miz, Bronson Reed, and Ivar. Also, this write-up I'm reading does come... From David Adesom of WrestleTalk. It's been reported that Ricochet kicked out of the pin when Ivar was pinning him when he wasn't supposed to. Miz then yelled at the referees. You see the ref get confused and Miz yells, just count. This then leads to Miz winning the match. Ivar attacking him afterwards and we go from there. I don't know what the original plan was supposed to be as far as Ivar and Miz were both supposed to win. Supposed to be a double pin, and we go from there. It was stated by Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez that Ricochet did suffer possibly a concussion. He's in concussion protocol and doesn't remember most of the match. Also, you can see once he does get knocked out a little bit, Miz is running him through. Here's your next spot. Here's your next. Miz should get praised for this. Because Miz helped Ricochet a lot in this match. But another concussion was potentially suffered the following night on NXT as Fallon Henley was injured as well. So what happened with Fallon Henley was she had a good match with Tiffany Stratton. The finish was coming, and Tiffany went to the ropes, 
looks back to do the moonsault, and she looks back because once she starts bouncing up the ropes, she can't look to make sure her opponent's in position. So she looks back, Fallon's in position, she starts to bounce. Well, as she starts to bounce, Fallon thinks she's not in position, moves herself over a little bit, and gets smacked in the head. Basically, Tiffany comes down, knocks her in the head because Tiffany was like, all right, Fallon's going to be here. I'm going to jump this way. Boom. Tiffany jumped perfect. But if Fallon, if Fallon would have never moved, everything would have been fine. But because of that, Fallon Henley reportedly suffered in concussion and got knocked out actually for a moment. So two possible concussions coming this week in WWE. Unfortunate, very unfortunate. And it's unknown because it's a concussion. It's unknown how long this could keep either of them out of action. Any thoughts? I mean, like, I don't want to, like, try to, like, assume anything, but I'm pretty sure, like, I know, like, during that match, like, yeah, Ricochet was supposed to take the pin, but I think he was, like, concussed where he, like, ended up just kicking out by, like, mistake or yeah. something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and then the Fallon Hanley thing, you put that all on her. She shouldn't have moved. Yeah. You, you can't blame Tiffany at all. Tiffany did the look back, and when she starts bouncing up the ropes to do the PME, she can't look. She's just instinct doing it and knows basically how to shift her and change and where to put her, you know, where her body needs to go. So it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Um, Wayne Montgomery says, any news on the Monday Night Raw switching networks? So I wasn't really going to talk about it because I've done like multiple videos about this this week, but we can really quick on this. I want to actually, I want to get your thoughts right now. NXT is going to CW SmackDown is going to USA. And according to Dave Meltzer recently, he stated that, WBD is in play for Raw, but most likely it's stay on USA or even more likely go to FX and Disney signs them to a deal. So, and I've seen a lot of people go, well, if they go to FX and it's going to be a more adult product, it's going to be more TVMA or TV 14 or whatever. But what, what are your thoughts on all this? Where Raw could go next year in October of 2024, whether that's staying on USA, going to um, FX or so forth. I feel like it's gonna be very awkward because you know raw they've been on usa for just like so long right and i feel like it's it's gonna be very awkward to see them on a different network well it's like when they I mean, run, it's like when they moved to spike for a couple of years right but like at least ever since at least ever since i've been watching right, like right, wwe right. they've always been on raw so yeah usa then like smackdown i know when i first started watching wwe smackdown was on sci-fi yeah, so so here's the timeline of SmackDown. SmackDown was on UPN. Then when UPN and the WB merged to make the CW, they went to CW. Then they moved to My Network TV. Then they moved from My Network TV to Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi to USA, and then USA to Fox. SmackDown's been getting around. Yeah, but like Raw, they've been staying at places for like a long time, though. SmackDown's yeah, the one that just keeps getting moved around. They've literally been on two networks. They were on USA Forever. Then when Spike really wanted to ramp everything up and they went from TNN, they changed from TNN to Spike, well, right in between there, they signed them when they were still TNN. They lost, they basically said, we don't want ECW anymore. ECW folded because of it, basically. And then they got WWE. They run TNN, which then turned into Spike, I want to say for a good five, six years before going back to um, USA. And if, here's the thing. If Vince 
at one point. So there was a chance the UFC and the Ultimate Fighter show never happened the way it did if it wasn't for Vince. Have you ever heard that story? I haven't, no. So when you when TNN, which then turned into Spike, had Monday Night Raw, Vince basically had a deal where if you want any other kind of combat sports, we have to approve it. Well, they wanted the Ultimate Fighter, and they went to Vince and said, Vince, is it okay if we air this show? We're going to air it right after Monday Night Raw. Well, at the time, Vince didn't see the UFC as competition and said, yeah, I don't care. Put it on after Raw. And because of that, the Monday Night Raw audience migrated and fell in love with the Ultimate Fighter show, which in turn helped a UFC pay-per-view business. And there we go. If it wasn't for Vince, there was, a, there was if it wasn't for Vince saying yes, UFC probably would still be as big as it is today, but it's way into mainstream would have been so much different if Vince would have said, no, we don't want that on this network. Vince had the right to say so in contract. Wow. Yeah. But he didn't see UFC in 2000, what was that? 2004, 2001, or no, it was like 2003, 2004, the Ultimate Fighter. When the Ultimate Fighter start? Ultimate Fighter started in 2005. I was off by a year, 2005. If Vince would have seen it as competition and said no, then they would have never been on Spike. And then after they left, they got they brought TNA to Spike, I believe, because yeah. Spike just yeah. still wanted wrestling. Yep. And then they realized, hey, we don't need TNA anymore. Yeah, no. Because then they, when they lost the UFC, they created Bellator, and that all went to hell. Now they're the Paramount Network, and not many people watch. As we move on with our next news story here. Some people may not want to hear this, but... uh. Nia Jax is getting praised in WWE right now. Just want to say this does come from Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful during his latest Q&A, where Sapp does state, quote, um, As far as that one did get a couple eyes rolling from talent that I spoke to, for sure. That being said, one of those people who shot me those eye rolls have said, quote, You know what? Her work... Her work's been pretty good since she's been back. Nobody's gotten hurt. Looks like she's worked to get better into better shape. And that's about the extent of information I have on that one. But yeah, at least one person in WWE is praising Nia Jax for getting in better shape and not hurting people. So oh, that'd be a cool one to bring up really fast. I mean, like, not only that, but like Nia Jax is also very well liked backstage by like oh, other she, like female wrestlers yeah she's got many friends in that company another like go for it i know i know people just haven't liked her for like the longest time because people just think she's unsafe in the ring like right. people were pissed when, whenever she broke becky's face at the time oh yeah but that here's the thing if she would have never done that i don't know if in 2019 becky lynch would have became the number one pro wrestler in the world uh, as far as popularity goes that oh, skyrocketed yeah. Becky's career. But still, like, people were pissed off at the time because people really right. wanted to see Becky versus Ronda at yeah. the time. Moving forward, we got another little quick hit here that has to do with WWE ticket sales and the first SmackDown of 2024. is basically all sold out as this has come from WrestleTix. 
They state that available tickets right now for the first SmackDown of 2024, which will take place from Rogers Arena in Vancouver, BC, only has 147 tickets available. The current setup is for 11,979 tickets to be sold, and 11,832 tickets have been distributed. 1,459 tickets have been um, sold or distributed within the last five days. They nearly sold out a whole show two months in advance. The show will be taking place on January 5th. That's crazy. The WWE's business is doing that well. They're now selling out SmackDown tapings two months in advance. Like, there's literally 147 seats available. That's going to sell quick. It's awesome. <clears throat> hey, what can I say? I feel like Roman is ratings and... And here's the thing. Like bring in attendance. Here's the thing, though, and I'm not trying to correct you on anything. We don't even know if Roman's working that show. As far as we know, Roman may not. It's the first SmackDown of the year, so I assume maybe Roman shows up to start uh, Royal Rumble build. But there's a good chance Roman isn't even on the show. I feel like he. I feel like it's most likely he's gonna be on the show, though. Yeah, unless he's injured. That's the only reason, but like... Well, I don't know how he's going to get injured when he ain't working another show at all. Like, Roman's done for the rest of the year. Roman ain't working Survivor Series. Roman ain't working nothing. And as of right now, as of right now, WWE's website only lists LA Knight, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, Rey Mysterio, Bobby Lashley, and Jimmy Uso as the featured stars for the show. So as of right now, Roman's not even listed for that show. LA Knight's the big star. People also love LA Knight as well. Yeah. Maybe they just want to see him there. He's a big draw. Another man that's a big draw is a 16-time world champion, John Cena. John Cena finished up his current run with WWE this past weekend at the Crown Jewel event, losing in dominant fashion to Solo Sokoa. And Cena today actually sent out a tweet stating that he has undergone a surgery. Let me pull the tweet up on the screen right here. I'm going to read this tweet for you guys. Um, bum, 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 bum. Why is it not coming up? John Cena tweeted out, quote, Thank you, Jeff Dugas, MD, and your entire team in Birmingham. One arm fixed, clean, and he- headed for therapy. One arm left to go. Thank you again, and see you ASAP for the next one. So, I don't know. John Cena had arm surgery. We don't have any other context on that, whether that was a bicep injury, a forearm injury, a wrist injury, what? We don't know if it was just cleaning up from a previous injury. No context on what the injury is. It may not even be an injury. Maybe it's a mobility thing where his arm was bugging him and they were like, oh yeah, you need to get this worked on. We don't know if maybe he got injured during this final run. Maybe that's why the, maybe that's why he didn't do a lot in the solo match because he couldn't. I don't know, but he's going to have surgery on the other arm as well going forward. So to me, it doesn't sound like, and I could be completely wrong here, when reading into he needs surgery on the other arm as well, doesn't sound like something that happened during his run. Doesn't sound like an injury from the last run. Because there's no way he hurt and injured both arms. Right? Like, I don't know. I feel like 
I feel like the original plan was always for like solo to win. Maybe they wanted yeah. to be like a close match, like to where like both guys were like put put up a real fight, and then like solo would eventually win. But maybe, maybe I I assume maybe it's because like Cena was hurt and they probably couldn't really do a whole lot. They're like, all right, we'll just have solo win this way then. Right. So interesting stuff here. Cena's gonna have surgery. Also, we do know that Cena's Looney Tunes movie has been basically canceled. The movie's been completely done filming for well over a year. And according to, I think it was Deadline. It was either Deadline or Variety. I don't have that pulled up or anything. They stated that the John Cena Looney Tunes movie, its I can't remember the name, but basically the movie has been shelved to just like the Batgirl movie. We'll never see it, most likely. As we move on here, we got two more stories we're going to talk about. This would come from All Elite Wrestling. They're two female wrestler stories as The Bunny is no longer with the company. This write-up does come from Jeremy Lambert of uh, Fightful. He writes the quote. According to PW Insider, The Bunny Alley and AEW have parted ways. The report states that the two sides mutually agreed to go their separate ways. Bunny was removed from AEW's roster page on Thursday afternoon. The Butcher and the Blade are still on the roster page. They wrestled on November 8th in a dark match. Bunny signed with AEW in 2019 and was aligned with the Butcher and the Blade. She later wrestled on the September. She last wrestled on the September 6th edition of AEW Dynamite, teaming with Taya Valkyrie and Anna Jay in a loss to Doctor Baker DMD, Hikaru Shida, and Sky Blue. Before signing with AEW, she did work Impact Wrestling and various other independent promotions. She has not publicly commented on her departure. Now, the one thing she has done though is take All Elite Wrestling out of her Twitter bio. So, yeah. The bunny, gone from AEW. She was someone that I thought they were going to use really well in AEW because she was, like, one of the first women that they've signed. Yes. Like, when AEW became a thing. And I know, like... I just think... Go for it, go for it. Now, like, she did really well, like, as herself, but I feel like what kind of, like, maybe killed her momentum. Like, when they put her with Butcher and the Blade, they were kind of, like... I feel like they kind of confused like all right what what do we do with her next when she just became a manager yeah yeah i'm trying to look for something really quickly now like normally i don't really like to say like i feel like this wrestler should go there but if i had to guess i feel like the best place for her maybe return to tna yeah no i I think she would do well there she'd do well going back there yes because like they already have a great women's division now I feel like she would do great going back there. She She's also a former Knockouts champion, so. Yep. Go back there. Her and um, Rosemary can do their stuff again. They're like best friends. That'd be cool. And the final news story we do have here coming out of AEW has to do with Mariah May and what the plans will be for her going forward within the company and what they're actually doing with her. So I criticized her debut the other day, because I'm like, why just do it in a random, nothing happening backstage segment interview with RJ City? But I still kind of still criticizing what they did, but it now makes a little more sense with the way they're going. Because the whole story of her being in AEW, according to Dave Meltzer, is she's eventually going to try and take out Tony Storm. Dave Meltzer does write the following, stating, quote, The story they are doing with May and Storm is based on All About Eve, which some figured out immediately. I have no clue what this movie is, but it's a movie from the 50s. 
The Luther character is based on Max from Sunset Boulevard, and Storm is based now just on Gloria Swanson, but also Betty Davis. All About Eve is a 1950s movie that won six Academy Awards, including Best Picture. It's considered one of the greatest movies of all time. The story is about a Broadway star who turns 40 and worried about her career, played by Davis, and is essentially the Storm character. And Eve is the fangirl of Mar Margot Channing, Davis's character. Eve, played by May, becomes the becomes a big part of Channing's life as a fangirl who starts manipulating things until she basically becomes the new young star to push her out. So what I can see here is Ray May is going to start helping Tony Storm win a bunch of matches. If not, beat Sheeta at full gear for the title. Then she's going to get in good with Tony after helping Tony win all these matches and have, helping Tony's career resurgence only to then turn on Tony Storm and try to take everything from her. So... I think that's the plan, that they're going to try and make Mariah May a big star by lean, leaning into her being with Tony Storm and then eventually turning on Tony and maybe, maybe helping Tony win the belt and eventually taking the belt from Tony Storm. So I like the story there. I just It still just feels a little weird to me the way they debuted her as just a nothing character. Any thoughts? I know, like... Like before, like <clears throat> I know when like Fightful reported that like AW was interested in her, I didn't really know a whole lot about her. Like basically, yes. the yep. way I found out about her was like basically from TikTok. That's how I found out about <laughs> her. And that's the problem. You debut her in, the, and then yes and no, it's the problem. You debut her in this backstage segment. You make her come off as a stupid ditzy blonde, and a lot of the fans are gonna go, "I don't know who she is," and that didn't make an impression on me. Yet, I kind of understand why they didn't debut her in front of the live crowd because the live crowd may not know who she was and then she may not get a good reaction. And that would be bad as well. So they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Yeah, and I, and I knew like she worked stardom before yeah. that. She was a like, big star in that. stardom. She did a lot of good oh, yeah. stuff in stardom. Absolutely. But, but uh, yeah, like, I, I assume now fans are going to start knowing her, but... Right. Good get. Good get for AEW and all of that. But with that, I want to say thank you for joining us here. That's going to wrap everything up for the wrestling wrap-up. As far as tonight's Friday Night SmackDown does go, two matches have been announced for the show. Now, WWE doesn't have a quote-unquote official like preview that I can find on their website. They still have the review, the review, and the recap for NXT up there. But we do know on tonight's show, Carlito will be taking on Bobby Lashley and announced yesterday it's Grayson Waller versus LA Knight. Those are the two things that have been announced for tonight's Friday Night SmackDown. But Luke, tell them where they can find you. You can find me over at Twitter X at Petke underscore 21. And you can also find me over at Twitch at the Luke Petke. With that, guys, I want to say thank you for joining us here. Twitch.tv forward slash PW Unlimited. YouTube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited. And podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. I'm going to take my daughter to see the Marvel. So have a great day. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next time.